Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I am your host, Chris Swick, and on this podcast, we talk about mental health, addictions, ADHD, and really anything anyone's afraid to talk about, we talk about it on the show. I believe everyone's story is valuable at the end of the day. It does not matter what walk of life you come from. You're all welcome on my platform. Head over to YouTube, check out the show from the depths of darkness to the light of success. Hit that subscribe button, turn on your notifications, or head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you can find your podcast listening platform. You can find my show on there and hit me up over on Instagram at depths of dark side. But with no further ado, I'd love to introduce you to my next guest. I got Tanner Mortensen, former hockey player out from Alberta. I want to take it away and let them know a little bit about you, Tanner, and what you're all about. Yeah, so like Chris said, my name is Tanner Mortensen. I'm 22 years old. I'm from Calgary, Alberta. And I played pretty competitive hockey. I actually ended up moving away from home when I was 14 years old. I went to Notre Dame in Saskatchewan. My dad actually went to high school there, so I was very familiar with the program. So I ended up going there for high school from grade 10 to 12. And then I played my first year junior there, and that's when stuff started to go downhill a little bit for me as far as my uh, mental health and my alcohol abuse. And now I'm just trying to give back to the community. I know there's reach out and ask for help was something I struggled with when I was going through my stuff. So where I can reach one person, hopefully that, that'll make an impact and a change for somebody. That's amazing, man, that you went to Notre Dame. Believe it or not, actually, one of my coaches in minor hockey here, he actually coached out there. He coached Notre Dame for many years. He coached Wendell Clark and a bunch of def- different big names in the NHL growing up. And his kids actually went there as well. So back oh, yeah. there, my age now, you know, almost 40, a couple of them and stuff. But yeah, one of my, and my, he coached me in high school. He coached me high school football. But yeah, he was a coach out there back in the 70s and 80s. So oh, that's yeah. pretty right amazing, on. man. Out yeah, it's Saskatchewan, Notre Dame's world. a big school out there. Yeah, it's a small world. You always, you find a connection with someone through Notre Dame some way or another. And just the people you meet there, there's people from all over the world. And none of my best friends actually live in Calgary. They're all over the place. Like one of my best friends lives in Newfoundland. I have a, one of my roommates, he's from Nunavut. He's from the same place Jordan Tutu's from. So you just meet a lot of different people and you get a lot of different friendships you wouldn't normally meet at a regular high school at home. So yeah, it's a pretty cool experience and program they got going there. So was it something that you were recruited for to go to Notre Dame or did you, cause I know it's a private school. Yeah. So I, like I said in my little intro there, I knew about that school kind of my whole life just cause dad went there. I played my second year at Bantam in Calgary. I played Bantam AA and I was looking to maybe go to some sort of hockey academy or a different program. So in Alberta, they used to have, it was called minor midget. So that'd be all 16 year olds. And in Calgary, you have to try out in your sec- section or wherever you live in the city. That's where you got to try out. And there's only two teams and you're going from one Bantam AAA team, three Bantam AA teams to just two minor midget AAA teams. So that was a little bit scary for me, but just knowing about Notre Dame, I think it was a right decision for me to go there. They don't have minor midget in Saskatchewan. So once you're done Bantam, you go right into midget. So you're playing against those big 18 year olds. And I was 14 playing against some of these big farm boys from Saskatchewan. So I think it was all, it was just, uh, everyone knew it was going to happen sooner or later. We looked into me going there in grade nine, but 
mom was a little bit scared to let her baby go in grade nine, but grade 10 popped up and then that's kind of when we made the decision to send me out there. That's amazing, man. And was it hard for you to go away from home at such a young age? I mean, thoughts going through your head, anxiety, social anxiety, maybe meeting all these new people and stuff like that in a whole new province, new city, everything like that. What were those, some of those thoughts going through your head? I, it's definitely a little scary. 14 years old, moving away from home. I don't think a lot of people can say they have done that and going somewhere where I haven't been before and I don't know anybody. It was definitely a little bit of a culture shock when I get there to say the least, but the way that place operates and it's very family oriented school. There's not very many people that go there and you're in the middle of nowhere and all you have is each other. So that first year I was lucky enough to have three returners as my roommates and they took me under my wing and made me feel like I was belonging and involved in the part of what they had going. So it made it a lot easier. And a lot of the teachers actually that taught, taught me, taught my dad too. So that made it a little bit easier just because once you go to Notre Dame, you don't lose those connections. So if stuff was going on, like obviously people could talk to my dad because they all know each other, but no, I'd say first month was a little tough, but once you got into the routine and once hockey starts, it's, you don't really have time to worry. You're so busy that you go mode all the time. But yeah, I, that place will always be a special place. to me. That's amazing, man. And then let's fast forward a little bit. What was it that sort of led into your drinking? Was it your first year there? Were there parties that you went to with the guys or was it, were they pretty strict with you? Yeah. High school, I. Very strict with the booze and all that kind of bad stuff. I was never one to be involved with that. I was very goal-oriented. I knew why I was there. I wanted to play hockey and develop as a person and get my education. But first time I ever drank was we had a pre-grad party for my grade 12 graduation. I never drank leading up into that. And I just remember that first time I drank for that pre-grad party, I just thought, wow, this is different. Cause I used to be such a very reserved guy and shy. And I used to keep to my group and I wouldn't really step out of that group or that comfort zone. So when I did got drunk that first time, I was like, this is something I've never experienced or done. And it was like, awesome. And during that time, so I. That was my first time drinking. And then I did a little bit after that, just went on a trip, vacation, they don't check drinking age and came in. So I was drinking a little bit there. And then I started playing junior and you probably would know the junior hockey culture is very, there's, it's like the university culture there's a lot of partying there's a lot of drinking, that kind of stuff. It was a little more normalized. And then I started running into some injury troubles and I didn't know any other way to cope what was going on upstairs with me than to drink. So that's kind of when I started to rely on it and not do it so much socially. And that's kind of started to go downhill for me. And what were some of those thoughts at the time? You have injuries, you're put on the back burner and now you have much more time, way more time to drink now um, and sit with your thoughts and those types of things now where you just, Sounds like you were just using the booze and the alcohol to escape from reality at this point. Yeah. And that's one big thing I always say on my TikToks and my lives I do and stuff is it was an escape from reality. My first year, especially just playing at Notre Dame and Wilcox here, it's not a very normal junior hockey town. All you got is the school. That's it. It's not like any other place where you'd bill it. So there's a lot of alone time. 
when I was injured. And I'd actually gotten a previous knee injury the season before. So after that season, I knew like how to go about doing things as far as taking care of myself mentally, because it sucks sitting on the stands watching your team play. But now I'm in junior and it's, hey, like there's alcohol around now. Like maybe this is something I should use to take my mind off things. And once I got that first injury during that season, that's when I did started. I was drinking with my buddies, having fun. And then it eventually started to ramp up. And I moved out of my room with my two or three other roommates into a solo room so I could drink my face off and nobody would see me or have any judgments of me because they see what I'm doing. But yeah, that's kind of... That's when it started to go downhill and I didn't feel like I could talk to somebody about this stuff because it's not something that you're obviously going through injuries and on my mind, I'm thinking, well, am I going to get treated? Am I going to get this? Is this going to happen? Like I was playing all these scenarios in my head and like you said, the booze are just, everything's gone. Everything, every negative thought, every scenario I ran in my head was just, just disappeared. So. Yeah, that was, uh, that was some scary times for sure, but I'm thankful I am where I am now. And obviously we're going to talk a little more about what kind of happened after that first year, but that's when it started to happen for me. For sure. And I can definitely relate, but this is about you, Tanner, but definitely relate escaping from reality for many years, 20 plus years. I had not injuries. I had injuries too. those types of things, sitting on the sidelines in high school hockey and watching your teammates or at tournaments in Montreal or whatever. And you got all the time in the world and drinking age is only 18 down there. So, and the drugs then come into play. You can get prescription drugs. You get whatever you want anytime. Then those run out. Then you have to go to the street drugs. It's just, was just an escape from reality to not even worry about what was going on around you. And And then it just turned into, I needed this to cope every day or operate every day at the end of the day and it takes you down to some really deep dark places what the fuck am i doing with my life now at this point am i gonna even make it to tomorrow yeah no for sure and i had a lot of nights like that i had a lot of nights where i think for the normal person it would shake the shit out of them a little bit am i allowed to swear on this sorry that's totally fine man good yeah i had a lot of nights where i i thought i would scare the shit out of me enough to stop and i didn't like it just Next time I went out, it's like, oh, let's do this all over again. And I remember a couple of times I'd come home not knowing if this was it. Cause I just, I don't know. Like I, I drank so much in such a short time frame that I didn't know if I was, if tomorrow would be the day, like I didn't know what was going to happen. And I would have thought looking back now, obviously I could see like that should have been enough to wake me up. And it wasn't until that last night I ever went out. But yeah, it's I'm just happy I'm in the position I'm in now for sure. And, and I want to talk a little bit about junior hockey culture because I have friends, I, I never made it to junior and I had tons of friends that played in the OHL over here, which is part of the CHL. You got the WHL mm. out West, the Q in Quebec and down East and got the OHL in Ontario here. And I had plenty of friends, even my brother-in-law, he was a captain of the Guelph Storm here in Ontario for a few years. So there's so much to do with that junior ho- hockey culture from tons of friends that I talked to. Some people didn't see it as much as others did. There's lots to be said and with the, especially taking care of the player's mental health, that should come first and foremost with tons of things going on this day and age, but I find it still isn't. They say they sweep things under the rug and you got to call a spade at the end of the day, but they're not. They just want to sweep everything under the rug. And what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I was pretty fortunate when I played. I had a lot of coaches who, I think it just was bad timing, bad, wrong place, wrong time for me. I was pretty fortunate that they all treated me like with respect and were pretty kind to me. But I think this stuff isn't talked about enough. I never had a team I played for where somebody would come in and talk about this stuff. I think the last time I had a presentation or whatever you want to call it was my second year Bantam AA. We had two police officers come in and talk about drugs and alcohol. And I remember I, I sat there, well, that'll never happen to me. There's no way. And now I'm doing what I'm doing now. And that's kind of why I'm doing it. I, cause I was in that position at one time and I never thought that it would happen to me. And I find for me, like I'm super relatable because I'm not very far off age wise with some of these kids. And I still played against some of these kids that are still playing junior hockey. But I know, I think there needs to be a lot more of the talk about this stuff. And there's so much stuff going on during the season, like trades and road trips and all these little things that I think they, people forget what's actually going on behind the scenes. And I think that needs to be a little bit more normalized. And I see guys like Paulie O'Byrne with, he works at the London Knights. And I think what he's doing is awesome. And I think we need more stuff like that for sure. Yeah, it's such a, people call it taboo. They want to, even players I talk to, they don't want to talk about their experiences and stuff like that. But I feel that lots more guys are starting to come out. Because after hockey, where do these guys go? They, lots of them, they, there still isn't the support that's needed, I find. Once you leave junior hockey, go on to university or left to your own devices at the end of the day, like we've been talking about. And what do you do? You go drinking and drugging or to escape reality. At the end of the day, we keep coming back to that, but it's the truth of the matter here. Yeah, I know. That's what happened to me. I had, I'd like to say an identity crisis after I stopped playing hockey. I was pretty unfortunate. I, my last year was during a COVID year. So I guess leading up into that season, I wasn't going to play anyways, because I'd lived in three provinces the season before my 20 year old year. And that kind of just sucked the life out of the game for me, I guess you could say. So I wasn't going to play and I, I drank. I think there was maybe a week I took off that whole summer going into my 20 year old year. And I ended up going out and playing in Estevan in Saskatchewan my 20 year old year. But like I said, we had a COVID season and we got shut down in November and I got, we got sent home because we didn't know if we were going to play or not just because of COVID. And I remember just sitting there, what am I going to do? This is my last year. Am I going to wait and see if we're going to play? Am I going to wait and see if I get a scholarship? Am I just going to apply for school? And it had been February. I still didn't know if we were going to play or not. And that's kind of when I just decided, you know what? I got to, I got to pack it in. Cause I can't just keep sitting here wondering what's going to happen. And during that time, it was obviously dark because I didn't know what was going on and I wasn't working and just the rest of the world, we couldn't do anything because because of the pandemic, but I decided I was going to apply for university and I, my drinking at that time was kind of steady. I wasn't at the magnitude of the, as I once was, but when I went out, like I went balls to the wall, I pedaled to the metal and I was pretty lucky going into my first year of university. I had that last night where I went out, I was supposed to go out for supper with a couple of my buddies and I ended up going out till six o'clock in the morning and I got home and. I remember waking up the next afternoon and my sister telling me in my relationship at the time, she had been calling my sister, like wondering where I was. And there was other people questioning where I was because they hadn't heard from me. And I just decided that was the day to figure it out because it wasn't only 
self-destructive for me, but it was also hurting people around me. And I, yeah, that was the last day. And I started my university journey sober, which was definitely tough as well, just because there's not a lot of people my age in my situation where they don't drink based on like having a problem, which usually religious reasons or out of self-choice. But yeah, it's definitely, I went through that identity phase, what you were talking about. And now I just know healthier ways to cope and feel my feelings. Yeah. Feeling your feelings are like super important. And I was just listening to a podcast earlier today, actually, and they're talking with an addict and he's, and they, I could totally relate though. This kid, the guy's, yeah, they, he asked me what I did with the whole pill bottle, all the pills. He's like, how many did you take? He's I'm an addict. I took them all. You know, yeah. I could totally relate to that. Like, everything had mm-hmm. to be gone at the end of the night. By the time we woke up with stuff left over, that wasn't a good night yeah. for me. I don't know for you, but like I, that yeah. just rang true to me. It's so true though. An addict, we got to take them all. That, that, that's what addicts do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And I remember like when I was drinking, I always wanted to be the last one standing. Like I wanted to be, I want to be the guy that drank the most at the party. I wanted to be the guy who was. Like I said, last man standing. So no, I, I relate to that and I'm lucky I didn't get involved in the drugs and stuff. That, that kind of scared me a little bit, that stuff. It was obviously I seen it and stuff, but wasn't something I was interested in. And I, when I quit drinking, I kind of, I was going through my feelings, like I said, and ended up going to the doctor and got prescribed some pills and I started to get really sick when I started taking these pills and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is this something awesome I'm going to get addicted to? I was pretty scared. I ended up taking those. I just, I wanted to figure it out. I didn't want to have to use something like that and just the way they made me feel. And I remember probably two or three weeks into taking these things, I was stone cold. Somebody could say the most awful, malicious possible thing you can say to a human and I would have just been blank, no emotion. So yeah, that wasn't for me. And obviously it helps other people and I commend them for that. Whatever works for them. But for me, I just, I couldn't live like that, chilling like that because I didn't have any feelings. So I can relate with that too, with some of the stuff they had me on when I had quit over three years ago now. And I was just like, I'm getting sick of feeling like this. I'm waking up feeling like a zombie. You know, the zombie, like you said, no emotion. Someone could say the most ignorant stuff to me and I could care less. Did you just say yeah. that? I don't care. Yeah. But when I kick that, those, that medication, I'm on one medication now that I do need. It, it does help me, helps me focus and stay present in those types of things for my mm-hmm. ADHD. But other than that's all, you know, and I enjoy, I'm no shame. I enjoy some non-alcoholic beers. I love the taste of no, beer, yeah. but I, I yeah. can, I can do that and I can go out and, and just do that these days. And I wanted to ask you too about when someone asks you, why don't you drink? At the end of the day, to me, it's none of your business why I don't drink. It's, you should just accept the answer. What do you get sometimes? Do you get ignorant responses or start getting inquisitive and stuff like that? What do you say to someone when they say, when you, when they ask if you want to drink and you just decline and then they start asking questions? What is it? What is it? What would you say? So it's funny you say that. I, uh, I went to a restaurant probably. I want to say two months ago, my buddy, one of my old roommates from Notre Dame was in town with his girlfriend. Her, his girlfriend's parents live like 10 minutes from me. So we went out for supper the one night and I got a, those Corona Zeros or the Sunrise or whatever. I don't know what they're called. 
tastes the exact same. They're awesome. No, the wait, I asked the waitress and she's, oh, so why don't you drink? And I'm just thinking like, isn't that the most unprofessional situation to ask something like that, especially as a waitress, like you said, it's none of your business, but I don't really, I don't really get upset about that stuff, especially with my age. I think I'm a little bit more mature than a lot of people my age. And I think a lot of people are still living in that time frame of the partying and that kind of stuff. And I did it and I'm over it, but my buddies are super good about it. I want them to act normal around me. I don't want them to tiptoe or change the way they act just because I don't drink. I want them to do what they do. I don't want them to treat me any differently, but yeah, I, I've had a, I've had a couple of people just ask. I think it's more out of curiosity as opposed to ignorance, but no, I've, when I first stopped, it bothered me a little bit just because I am at the age I'm at and a lot of people are in the situation I'm in. So I felt like I was missing out a little bit, but now I've just started to realize like, I don't need that stuff to have fun or to enjoy myself. There's plenty of other things I can do to provide that dopamine or happiness in my life. So I can tell you, man, the best days I've ever had have been sober. You, know, you can do so many more things with your life, partying and booze. And not, for anyone listening out there, you're not missing out on anything. It's just a self-destruction when you get into these phases in life. Even that binge drinking and those types of things that happen at university and high school. But to be honest, I've had way, like many more times fun and having more fun sober than not when I was drinking because I can remember what I did I can reminisce about the night before and not wake up and be like what the fuck kind of train wreck did I cause oh am I in a jail cell why am I in this jail cell now I try the cops like you did this and that I was like whoa did I really or just any so many different scenarios and I just went away for my wedding and it was the best time I had I'm it was grateful that I had to I had to say no alcohol and they had non-alcoholic beers there and stuff. But even the guys that worked at the resort were respected me and stuff like that. It, it was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So if you had one piece of advice you could give the younger generation coming up since you're, you're at that stage, young adulthood and stuff like that, what would be that one piece of advice you could give the kids, the younger generation coming up under you? I could say two things. I'd for sure say if you're struggling, speak up. I think there's a lot of resources out there now, and there's a lot of people putting it on platforms for everybody to see that it's okay. And I remember when I was younger, I had seen stuff about mental health. Like I remember the Vancouver Canucks put up a thing about Rick Reppin when he tragically took his life, but I didn't really understand why, because he's a professional athlete. I didn't really get it. But now that I get it, I'd say just, if you're struggling, like talk about it, don't bottle it up. And I always say this too on my videos, I don't care how strong somebody is. You can't fight this fight on your own. You got to talk to people and you need a support system. And I was known to be tough on the ice and that was one battle I couldn't fight on my own. So I'd for sure say speak up and then honestly, just be yourself. Don't try and change yourself for somebody, whether it's in a relationship or a friendship or whatever it may be, just be yourself, be authentic. Don't try and fit a mold someone else wants you to fit. I love that, man. Not fitting a mold someone else wants you to fit for many years. And I still catch myself people pleasing. I've, I'm, today, I, you know, I can gratefully say that I can say no. Set boundaries as well. If you don't want to go out and do something or you don't feel comfortable doing it, it's okay to say no. Yeah, for sure. And people should respect that. Yeah, that's a big one too. I think people need to be more kind to each other and 
understanding that it's okay to feel things. It's okay to say no, like you said. And I think there needs to be more of that acceptance and understanding. But yeah, no, I agree with you. And why is it important for you to come back to circle back there to speaking up? Why is it important to speak up for the people that are listening? I think it's important to speak up because I remember going through my stuff and I, it's, it can eat you alive. Just all these scenarios running through your head. And like we talked about earlier, waking up the next morning and what the fuck did I do the night before and all this anxiety and it feels so much better just to let it out and be out in the open and you don't have to tiptoe and hide. And I remember like when I was going through my drinking stuff, I was like that closet drinker. And I remember when I was at home, I'd go to the liquor cabinet, be a sneaky rat and drink the booze and then put the empty bottles at the back of the cupboard, that kind of stuff. And I hated living like that, just being sneaky and not being open and honest. And the day I did that, I felt it was like everything was released. Everything was done. It was over. I didn't have to hide anything anymore. And no, that bottling that stuff up, like I said, it can eat you alive. And I think it's just super important to just be open and let it out. You don't have to fight the battle by yourself. We talked about it earlier. Like I said, there's plenty of resources, whether you're comfortable doing it in person or online or messaging through Instagram or whatever, there's tons of different resources and whatever you think you're more comfortable with, do it. Like the worst and the worst thing that can happen if you ask for help is Maybe it's not the type of help you need. Maybe you figure out, okay, I want to take a different avenue. So you don't know unless you try. So I love that, man. You don't know till you try. You don't know till you try something out or check something out or read it. I, I was reading up on new things and listening to new videos. I'm, I just really want to get back into these things, get back into the groove of things in 2023 here and start really getting diving more deeper into my own personal journey, but helping others get through their battles and stuff too. But yeah. the number one thing, like we've talked about, you know, you got to take care of you before you can take care of other, everyone else or love, love yourself before you can love others as well. No, that's huge. And I don't think people can expect to love others if they can't love themselves. You can't expect to be a helper or if you can't help yourself. And I think that's a big misconception too i don't think a lot of people understand that the people who help or the people who love they need help too they need love too like they need to take care of themselves and i made a lot of connections in the past two months ever kind of, ever since i started doing this stuff and there's a lot of people messaging me and messaging these others and we need time for ourselves too we need to work on ourselves and obviously we want to help that's the main thing that's what we want to do but we got to work on ourselves too. And we need, you need to take time for yourself to make sure that you're doing okay before you can help others. Yeah, it's just like the old saying is don't burn the wick at both ends else you're just going to run yourself into the ground. Exactly. No, exactly. So what are three things that you do for your mental health on a day-to-day -day basis, Tanner, to keep yourself in check and get yourself through that day? I recently, since September, I've gotten back into the gym. Before I started getting into that drinking stuff, I was a psycho in the gym a little bit. We'd come back at three o'clock in the morning and I'd be going to the gym after a five hour bus ride. That was my thing. So I started getting back to the gym and I've tried to start doing stuff out of my comfort zone. So last year, after my school year, I signed up for classes this fall, past fall and there was a public speaking course and 
that is something that I used to hate getting up in front of the class and talking. And I thought it'd be really good for me just to, for my other classes, as far as presenting different projects and presentations. So I did that. And that's when stuff, all the stuff I'm doing now started taking place. I put up one comment on DJ McGrath's TikTok and then we went back and forth and then I went on his live and now I'm doing this. So it's pretty crazy. So just things out of my comfort zone. And then I just try and talk, check in on my friends. Cause obviously a lot of my friends don't live in Calgary they're all over the place. So I like to catch up with those guys and see how they're doing and just reconnect and just talk like how we used to in high school. But yeah, those are, I think the biggest one for me though, that was getting out of that comfort zone. I love getting out of that comfort zone when you say that, man. It brings so much joy to your life. Once you get out of that comfort zone, you're like, hey, I really like doing this. Get out of my comfort zone was giving back to the community too, just volunteering. And it's so much fun, actually, when you just give back and volunteer and sit down with people and relate to them and their stories and stuff like that. So I love that, man, though. Listen, get out of your comfort zone. Go do something that you've never wanted to do, but you're scared to do it. If you're scared to do it, just go do it. And you yeah. never know, it could change your life. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, that's a big one for me now. Just trying new things, whether it's with my buddies or my girlfriend, just try things I wouldn't normally do, whether it's a food or an activity. Like we went ax throwing a couple of weeks ago. That's not something I'd really take time out of my day normally to go do, but it was awesome. I'd probably do it again. Throwing can be fun and or I'm looking forward to, I just found a roller skating rink, man. I'm going to go try it oh, out. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's awesome. It's a fun date as well. Oh. If you got partner or just, or with some buddies or whatever. So I'm going to try some new things out this year myself as well. And get back into more hobbies that I used to love doing. It's awesome. It's, you know, it brings me joy as well. So, oh, but yeah, yeah, man, we've come to the end of the episode, Tanner. And I truly appreciate you coming on the show. But where can everyone find you before we get going? Mostly on TikTok and Instagram. They're both the same at. It's Tanner.Martinson27, both on Instagram and TikTok. Awesome, man. So everyone, please go check out Tanner over on Instagram and TikTok. Show him some love. Give him a follow. If there's one thing I could take away from today. This episode is speak out, go out of your comfort zone, people try something new today. You never know if you don't know until you try it at the end of the day. So don't knock it till you try it. Exactly. Thank you again for coming on the show today, Tanner. Truly appreciate you taking the time of your day to do man. No, thanks for having me, Chris. It's been a long time coming. We've been going back and forth on Instagram here for a little bit. So we'll have to do a live or something here right away in the next couple of weeks on my Instagram. For sure, man. You take care and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Awesome. You too. Thanks again, Chris. Awesome.